I get buckets. going on guys welcome to blue buckets i'm justin rowan you might recognize me from the chase down podcast with me today is the host of the timeline podcast and my biggest enemy in the world come draft lottery sam cooper how's it going sam <laughs> it's going great justin thanks for having me on no problem at all uh, the sons and calves I, I think we're going to have a little bit of a rivalry on tuesday but we're not here to talk about that also joining us today mo to kill founder of the jump ball, former video coordinator for the Spurs and Clippers, and the man that taught Kawhi Leonard everything that he knows. Mo, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, especially considering I never worked with Kawhi, but yeah. (laughs) You know what? You don't have to. Like, people aren't going to fact check the timeline there. I, I, you got to take credit for that shot. You have to take credit for everything that he did tonight. (laughs) Well, let me just say it was it started in a long, long road, Justin. We were in a dark gym, creaky lights, leaky roof. We just kept working, man. We worked our way up. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I, you know what? The NBA, unlike the final season of Game of Thrones, it delivered on a Sunday evening. We got two fantastic Game 7s. And I, I want to start off with the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. What a game. I, I mean, that was a, that was a complete rock fight. I felt team both teams were making it a little more difficult than they had to um but this is just it's a different Raptors team than we've seen in the past Kyle Lowry came up with big plays and obviously Kawhi Leonard with that dagger to to end the game just absolutely massive moment Sam to to you what was the biggest difference maker in this game I think it's easy to talk about Kawhi Leonard and the 41 points in this game but I'd actually rather talk about Kyle Lowry um We're going to talk a lot about C.J. McCollum, too, I assume, later when we talk about that Portland game. But it's nice because Kyle Lowry and C.J. McCollum really feel like two of the guys who had the most to answer for after last year's playoffs. And I think both really came through tonight. Not so much in the box score stats for Kyle Lowry. He shot four of 13, but multiple steals, uh, good assists. Uh, taking multiple charges, played some really good post defense. Actually, one of the things that frustrated me most uh, with the Sixers throughout most of the game, you had a long stretch of time where Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet were sharing the court at the same time. And I was thinking to myself, why are they not sort of attacking those mismatches and really punishing Lowry in the post? They tried it a couple of times. In fact, they tried it on Lowry with about 30 seconds left with Joel Embiid. Lowry did a really good job Uh, sort of taking the brunt of that force from Embiid. And overall, I thought he just had a really strong performance, even though the shooting wasn't quite there for him tonight. He came up with some clutch plays. Uh, Shout out to Serge Ibaka, too. He was huge. Absolutely. Mo, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, everything Sam said about Kyle Lowry was spot on. And the other stuff I want to point out is, I mean, look, Toronto had... Uh, 16 offensive boards scored 14 or 12 points off of yeah. that. The six, the Sixers had 15 turnovers, actually 17 when you count the team turnovers and they got 21 points out of that. They had 89 shots to the 65. The Sixers had like, it's tough to win. Yeah. It's tough. to win, And the fact it literally came down to a fortuitous bounce, <laughs> you know, a, a crazy, a, a really tough shot. You know, it, it, it says a lot, uh, I'm I'm with Sam. There were definitely missed opportunities on the Sixers end to 
take advantage in certain areas. But it was just really kind of an, an impressive game from the Raptors and, and, and from the Sixers. I mean, this thing was a slug match from the very beginning. I mean, the first quarter ended 18-13. Yeah. Like, we had, when was the last time we had a basketball game that ended that way? Yeah, I, it's, I'm really glad that you brought up rebounding because Toronto really kind of flipped the script here because that had been something that Philly was really dominating them. And even though the lineup was a bit of a surprise to me, moving Siakam to the three, Ibaka at the four, and um, Gasola at the five, like, it was just such a large lineup and it created some mismatches it created uh opportunities for offensive rebounds and the other thing i really liked with that is it forced jj reddick to have to guard kyle lowry which i i know mo you and i have both kind of been on nick nurse for not really attacking that matchup and not forcing switches in the past um but that lineup just made it uh made him guard lowry out of necessity and i i thought that that really opened up some opportunities yeah, I thought, I mean, they, they went in, but I also didn't think like JJ was that bad guarding Lowry, but it did make it very difficult offensively for the Sixers because they really struggled with that, especially down the stretch. That's the other thing we got to talk about is those, you know, three or four possessions in a row where honestly the Sixers couldn't do anything. Um, it looked like they were just, they kept trying to go to JJ and dribble handoffs and you got to give a credit to those big guys, you know, especially Siakam, who didn't have a great game. I wasn't very impressed with him. Actually, since since game one, I haven't really uh, been that impressed with him in this in this series, uh, but did a good job there. And they did a, just a great job as a team. Uh, it was just I mean, down the stretch, you got to execute. It comes down to that. And, you know, the, the, the Sixers came out of a timeout, had a 24 second shot clock violation. They came down again, uh, had a extremely tough shot from Jimmy Butler with Gasol having switched on him twice and not getting a good look. The next time they get a turnover and uh, basically up against the clock again, and that led to the Siakam layup that put him up four. I, I mean, it was, it, that really, really hurt Philly at that point. Yeah, it it those opportunities really hurt them. The, the thing that I was kind of feeling as this game came to a close as someone that doesn't have a lot invested in either of these teams. I kind of just felt bad that one of these teams had to go home, especially when you look at all the consequences that could be here. Like uh, Kawhi Leonard may have left it. If the Raptors lost this game, uh, Sixers now have big decisions with Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris and Brett Brown, apparently, which um, he might be on the hot seat. Sam, do you, do you think that Brett Brown should get some criticism here? Or do you think ultimately this was just, inexperienced to some extent with the Sixers, poor execution, and maybe a little bit of poor roster construction. Uh, I would hesitate to say poor roster construction, poor execution potentially, but when you have a series that ends this way on on just a bounce like that with that Kawhi shot, ultimately, Brett Brown is going to get a lot of criticism. I just don't think it's necessarily warranted. I don't think there's any reason for a firing here, given the NBA, um, or sorry, the way the NBA works as a business, wouldn't be surprised um, mm-hmm. to, to see it let go. I just, I, I don't think that's the right move here. I would echo your sentiments. This felt like two really good teams. And this was a weird series overall, too. The way it bounced back and forth between games five and six, uh, you know, despite Toronto being at home in Game Seven, I really had no clue what was going to happen in this game, and it felt that way uh, all throughout all four quarters too. I, I think uh, Joel Embiid's chef needs to get fired, not Brett Brown. I I, I would stick with Brett Brown, but given you can't the, fire uh, McDonald's. 
Yes, yes. Fire, Mc, fire McDonald's. Fire whoever has been feeding him Shirley Temples because that that just can't continue. Um, Mo, looking forward to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, before we before oh. we do that, can I just say one thing too on the the Brett Brown thing? I'll, I'll think, allow it. <laughs> okay, thank you, Justin. Um, you'll put our feud aside today and, yes, and let me yes. do some stuff. <laughs> I think it's asinine for the Philadelphia 76ers organization to even think about firing Brett Brown. There's he, I think he outcoached Nick Nurse in this series. I think he did a, a, a two trades midseason. It's extremely tough to do when you just have one blockbuster trade integrating a, a big piece. Yeah. Having to do it twice is is massive and 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 very difficult. I think having pushed this to seven, when I think a lot of people thought Toronto was just going to run away with this one, especially after Game One, people thought maybe Philly would get a game. I think it's uh, a ridiculous idea to think that they're just going to fire Brett Brown for not getting there for, for uh, you know, for basically 48 minutes of basketball, which I think honestly there, there, there are mistakes on both sides. I don't think this was a poorly coached game. I think there are opportunities missed, but there are opportunities missed on again, both sides. And I think it just doesn't make sense. And then the most important thing of all of that, I don't even know who's out there that you'd replace him with. Mm, that's just not, yeah, that's a good point. This is a tough, tough locker room to coach. You know, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a character. Embiid's a character. You got to work the Simmons and try to figure out what you're going to do with him offensively. It sounds like Tobias Harris gets along with every human being out there, so he's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, but you you had a lot of challenges. You know, you didn't have a deep bench. They couldn't – I mean, they put Greg Monroe in for two minutes and it was like, yo, we got to get him out. I mean, it <laughs> was – I think it's just I, – I think it would be a massive mistake for Philly, for the organization – to fire Brett Brown um, right now. I think he deserves at least another year of full training camp and see what this whole team can do together after seeing what we just saw. I, I completely agree. And if he is on the market, I, I'd be advocating pretty quickly for my cows to scoop him up. Like, yeah, I, I think you made a good point that I, I just don't think there's a lot of experienced coaches available. The only one that would come to mind is Tyron Lue. Um, but uh, again, I just think there's been so many shakeups with Philly that, I, I think your point about integrating stars midway through the season is a good one. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see where things go there. Um, but we know where the Eastern Conference playoffs are heading, and that's Toronto-Milwaukee. Again, a matchup of two very, very good defensive teams. And I think we have the oppor- or the potential for another rock fight there. Sam, I, I think the consensus would be the Bucks are the favorite in the series. I certainly favor them. Uh, but do you think Toronto can really challenge them in this series or, or how do you see it unfolding? Uh, is there anyone who thinks that Toronto can't challenge them in this series? I, I, don't I haven't seen that sentiment. Well, I, I, I have seen some people a little skeptical, just especially the people that thought Toronto would steamroll Philly in five um, as the series progressed. And you kind of saw some of those um, no show results uh, from both teams. I, I saw a bit of a sentiment growing that. Uh, there's the opportunity for or the potential for Milwaukee to just steamroll uh, Toronto. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the potential. I just this is going to be a close series. I mean, I would bet on a seven game series in this one, uh, especially if Toronto can get good production out of its role players. And with Kawhi playing as well as he did uh, throughout this series, I, I just don't see how it wouldn't be particularly close. Could be wrong, though. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's my guess. I'm I'm interested to see. Because we we talked a little bit about how Toronto 
um, or we at least alluded to it, how there was a lot of kind of isolation and individual play. And that's just not something that you can do against Milwaukee. But I'm also interested to see with Toronto starting five and just how strong they are defensively. And I really think they were a big part of uh, why Toronto ended up winning that fourth quarter there. Uh, the defense was phenomenal. And I'm interested to see how Mike Budenholzer and the Bucks adjust to that. Um, Mo, how, how do you see the series unfolding? I'm, I'm with you guys. This is going to be tight. I know people are like, oh, this should have been uh, – Toronto should have ran through them. It's it's like then you just didn't have any understanding of actually how good Philadelphia was. I think that's right. kind of the, the, the misunderstanding with, with this thing. I, I think um, – look, dude, Toronto's great, and I think Toronto's great. I think – did I say Toronto twice? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you did, but it, I mean they are very great. I'll, I'll give you that. That's how good they are, and then <laughs> I think – and I think Milwaukee's great times too. Um, I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to be, like you said, I think it's going to be a rock fight. I think we're going to have flashes of really amazing uh, play from from Giannis and from Kawhi. But it's going to come down to these other guys for both teams. It's going to come down to, you know, can Gasol be aggressive? Can Siakam find, you know, start being consistent and, and, and play the way we all think he is, you know, the guy he is, it's going to come down to those, those guys. And, and, and same thing for Milwaukee, those guys, you know, the, the George Hills have to continue to play well, Malcolm Brogdon coming back from an injury, can't have any real rust. You, uh, Eric Bledsoe Lopez has to hit shots. <laughs> You're going to have to get big Middleton games. Like it's, it's going to come down to really the, not the stars, but the other guys and who has, who has the best of that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think what's really going to be telling is whoever can kind of generate easy looks, because I, I think both teams at times, uh, Milwaukee eventually figured it out against Boston, but I think Toronto's going to be a better test defensively. Um, it's going to come down to whoever can kind of generate the easiest looks. And you're, you're not going to beat these teams with isolation play. And I, I think forever... For all our sports gamblers out there, take take the under on almost all of these games because I, I just I, I can't really see it being an offensive shootout. What about you, Sam? No, uh, neither do I. And I think we will likely see a decent amount of isolation play uh, from Toronto out of Kawhi. That's sort of what they need to tend uh, away from a little bit. It's it's interesting too thinking about this series and I'm trying to think of the best way for Toronto to guard Giannis in the first place. And I'm, I'm not really sure what I would do if I was in the position of Nick nurse. I'm not sure what you guys are thinking about that. Yeah, it's, I have, Oh, I go, have ahead, thoughts, but Absolutely. go ahead. Justin. Go, you go, you go. Justin. No, I want to steal your idea. You go. Justin. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I, I insist as the Canadian, as the polite Canadian here, I insist because I, I, I may have been looking to transition and ad read. So get it in. <laughs> oh, okay. You must have not read the last email I sent. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I think this is, this is the one thing I've been saying for the longest time. I think with Milwaukee, I think you just got to play Giannis one-on-one and live with that and stay home with their shooters. I think you got to make it. I think they're a high volume three point shooting team. I don't think they're a very good three point yeah. shooting team. And I think if you make it harder for them to get clean, open looks and get a lot of threes, I think, I, I think that becomes an issue for them. I think here's the thing about Giannis. You can double team him. You can triple team him. He's still going to yeah. get what he wants. Like there's no stopping it. It's very similar to, uh, the, the Detroit Pistons game plan against Shaq when they won the championship against the Lakers. No point in trying to trying to stop something we can't stop. So let's stop everybody else. And I think that has to be your plan. 
And I think it gets tiring for, for Giannis, you know, that's a big load to have to carry. I think we, we, we see it in these, in these games, you know, all this pressure on one guy. I mean, Kawhi on his end, he's got to trust his teammates more. You kind of, I kind of felt like in this game, he didn't trust his guys to make shots or, or in some cases even take them. So, um, I think that's something that, that tends to happen when you play a lot of isolation stuff. And I think that's gotta be the key for, uh, I think that's how you defend Giannis. It's it's not easy. Giannis is going to put up massive numbers, but you kind of have to just swallow your pride and go like, that's fine. As long as we go to the finals and he, he puts up big numbers. Yeah, it's I'm basically what the 09 magic did to LeBron. They, they guarded him straight up and yeah. made him score. Um, and we all know that when you are not getting solid distribution, it makes things tough for you. You're playing isolation all the time. You want good distribution, and that is why Blue Wire is teaming up with ShipStation.com. When you're selling online, getting orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it's expensive, and there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know that you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information in. I love free trials without credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, even your Amazon fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solutions for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less times with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and use promo code BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. And by the way, that was a phenomenal Thank transition. You. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm like Ben Simmons. I'm good in transition. When things slow down, I, I start to get a little bit clumsy. What, what can I say? <laughs> the, the other game. So I had mixed feelings about Portland, Denver. Um, I, I like Denver. I, I wanted to see them do well. But Portland, after all they've been through, uh, with the Nurkic injury and just the the playoff failures they've had in the past, it was really, really satisfying to see them get over the hump this year. Absolutely. What I loved about this game and what I think is going to be awesome, actually, about this upcoming series is uh, CJ McCollum tonight sort of single-handedly reignited the debate on the value of the mid-range shot. <laughs> uh, and you had guys you had guys on Twitter, come at LeBron James came out with an opinion on it. Uh, as as the resident Suns podcaster here, I have to say Jamal Crawford came out with an opinion on uh, why you have to trust the mid range shot and and stay away from the basketball nerds, uh, which I thought was funny given that Jamal Crawford's one of the worst players in the NBA at this point. But CJ really proved the value of that shot late in the game. I just what I think is interesting there is sort of that there's this middle ground that both sides are kind of creating this straw man argument as if the idea behind analytics, the idea behind Maury Ball is that uh, you would only ever shoot three-point shots and and layups and stay away from mid-range shots, even in clutch situations when it's a one- or two-possession game. And as LeBron would say, you only need a bucket. For a guy like C.J. McCollum, 
who shoots 50% from mid-range, or for a guy like Kevin Durant in this upcoming series between these two teams, who shoots 54% from mid-range, these are good shots. And these are shots that they can rely on uh, in the playoffs when defenses tighten up. Um, just a phenomenal performance from CJ tonight. Dame, uh, unfortunately, really didn't have it. But some other guys stepped up as well. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of a... I've been a mid-range truther for a while. Um, and and I, I, I should change that actually too. I'm just a good shot truther. I want the best possible shot I can get. And I also think we've gotten too far into, you know, this whole three and layups thing because I think t- defenses have adjusted to that, which then has made the mid-range more valuable uh, than uh, people want to really acknowledge. But that's a whole other podcast and I can go four hours on that. Um, <laughs> this was a great game too. Both, both teams down the stretch. Uh, I, I mean, really just all the way through it, it just kind of felt like a slug match. Um, you know, Dame didn't have it, but neither did Jamal Murray. So lucky for the, the Blazers, you know, that, that, that kind of offset each other. Um, the, the most telling thing to me of all things was Jokic had two assists and I don't remember the last time Jokic only had two assists in a game. And I don't know, Justin, if you were on the pod with me on one of the Buckets pods, I was on with somebody. And I remember just they asked me how I would stop Jokic. And I said, you have to pick either you have to stop him scoring or you have to stop his passing. And, you know, it's one or the other. And and really, they did a good job today just kind of staying home. You know, the Blazers stayed home with the other with the other guys making it. They got to take more difficult shots and and making Jokic have to be kind of the scorer. Now, granted, he put up twenty nine on on eleven to twenty six. But it also, again, it starts to tire you out. I mean, I don't know if anybody's picking up on my themes here, but it begins to wear, wear, wear you yeah. down and things like that. And and he missed a huge free throw down the stretch. I mean, that was that 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 was a killer. Um, so I really think it, it it was a great game. It was a great series. I think it's great for Denver in the sense of they got true playoff experience. I know we can talk about how they sort of manipulated the seedings and, and, and were hoping to manipulate the seedings and, and get what they wanted. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing is they're going to walk away with a, a game sevens win and a game seven loss. And they're, and they're going to kind of have experienced all these things, you, you know, winning game game six in Port. Uh, I'm sorry, in San Antonio when they're down three, two was huge. And that's a big moment. Um, learning how hard it is to close in Portland losing game six and then eventually what it, what it cost you in, in game seven um, are all just great lessons for, for a young team. Um, Portland, amazing. And I got to give a shout out to Ennis Cantor, uh, my Muslim brother who was fasting, um, you know, through that. That's, that's not easy, dude. Yeah. I, I was actually going to give a shout out to him because I thought he played some good individual defense at times on Jokic and he, he kind of allowed Portland to, to play that one-on-one game against them. Even though Jokic did go out and get his, I, I thought he did a good job. The whole mid-range conversation, it, it, it's annoying. Like, I can be a caricature on Twitter, but I don't think the basketball conversation should turn into a caricature, and I feel like that's often uh, what's happening here. Because even the Houston Rockets, I think part of their intention of bringing Chris Paul in is because he did have that mid-range game. When the defense is taking away threes in the rim, you have to 
have that mid-range shot sometimes that's the best option available in playoff games and it opens up other opportunities even the Cavs when they won in 2016 Kyrie taking those shots was really really important because Golden State wasn't giving them anything else so I I think sometimes those conversations just get a little bit lazy and and to me it's exhausting Mo I think you said it best though that it's just about getting good shots and good opportunities um from the Portland side, though, the other guy I want to show out, shout out is uh, Mo Harkless. Um, even though his plus minus wasn't great, he made some really big plays when when the team really needed it. Um, kind of made the most of his. Always trust there. a Mo, Justin. And, Always uh, trust a Mo. <laughs> how about how about Evan Turner oh, in this game, guys? Man. Four points, four points in games one through six. Then comes up big, fourteen points, seven rebounds. And uh, his two assists were the only two threes that they made all game. Uh, he had a huge one in the fourth quarter coming off an offensive rebound, threw it back out to Dame and hit the three. Just, yeah, Evan Turner was big. I mean, for Portland, I think the big question going into next series, first of all, uh, we have to figure out what's going on with Rodney Hood because he was huge for them yeah. this series. And that would be yet another big blow to that team uh, going up against a team where they really don't have much margin for error if they want to play a good series against Golden State. I'm as much as I love this story, I do not feel good about the Blazers' <laughs> chances. I, I, I think Dame has really tired himself out. He, he's had to do a lot. Obviously, CJ gave him help tonight, but man, there, there's just nowhere to hide against the Warriors' machine. Even banged up, I, I just think Steph and Clay they they've dominated this matchup historically. And I, I think they're going to have a lot of issues. Uh, there's a possibility of DeMarcus Cousins coming back. Um, but even without Boogie, even if KD misses two, three games here, I, I just do not feel good about their chances. I, I hate this matchup for them. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be tough. It's not an easy thing. And this is a team that can really take advantage of Cantor in, in, in inability defensively. I think that's, I think we're going to start to see that a little bit more in this series than we did in the Oklahoma series. And, and, and even in the Denver series, I don't, I've, you know, they, they don't post up. So it's not like you can count on him to just have to defend Jokic for 15, you know, you know 15 possessions or something like that. So I think that's really going to be a challenge uh, for, for the Blazers defensively again, without, you know, we don't know what's going on with Rodney hood. Um, they're lucky. Kevin Durant's not going to be in it, but uh I, I don't know if it matters, but it is going to be fun to get the uh, the the Curry versus Curry matchup, and I'm very curious <laughs> with, what the parents do. <laughs> yeah, another scoreless half from uh, Curry uh, in this game too. That's that was that was interesting to see. And although his second half wasn't as good as Steph, I'll I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> Brothers just kind of you know they mimicking each other. You know he saw his big brother do it, wanted to do it, and tried to do it himself. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that 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 closeout game was really impressive um, from the Warriors. That that showed a ton of heart. It, it's a reminder of just how goddamn good Draymond Green is. Um, he's mm. he's just a fantastic player, and when he's right, that he's he's one of the most versatile defensive players I've ever seen. And we got the return of Game Six, Clay. Like Clay Thompson kept them in that game when when they really didn't have a lot of things going, and I I, I was just so impressed by that. Yeah, I, I first off, I did want to push back a little bit when you said they Houston brought in Chris Paul for the mid range. You know, you don't, you don't think it. that was some part of it? Like, I, I know he doesn't really yeah. have that anymore, but I, I thought that was some of the thinking there. From, from uh, it might have been some of the thinking, but it was never something that they they allowed to happen in reality. Like when uh, you look fair. at, 
I'm, I'm actually working on something. Hopefully it'll, uh, hopefully I'll get it out in the next day or two. Um, but I'm working on something to that effect. And, and, and I really think they, their embrace of Moray ball has, has actually hurt them. Um, it was, it was great at first, you know, when they had the competitive advantage and nobody was taking as many threes as them, but now that everybody's kind of caught up to that, you know, their, their reluctance to go there. I mean, when was the last time James Harden took a mid-range jumper? <laughs> well, I, I guess he, he had a few floaters, right? Like, can we count those? No, I'm not even counting that. I'm counting literally like one dribble, get by the guy right at the free throw line, pull up. Like he doesn't even do that anymore, you know? And, and I think it's hard to win a basketball game when you ignore such a large portion of the court. And that's what they do. And that's why defenses against the Rockets in particular against Harden, literally like once he gets below the three point line and he's out of that step back three range, man, they're just meeting him at the rim, you know, or, 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 or a step closer to avoid the floater, but cause they know he's not going to pull up for that elbow jumper. So I think that's, I think that was kind of their downfall. But even despite that box that Harden kind of puts himself in, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, don't you think this was Harden's best individual playoff performance yet? Uh, I mean, if you're a Houston fan right now, obviously, you know, the Warriors took you down again. But going into next season, Harden averaged 32-7-7, uh, 58% true shooting in this playoffs. He's made it work for the most part. I mean, he's the only player in the NBA who really we've seen isolate this successfully uh, and hit that step back shot. So it's, you know, generating more points per per possession than that mid-range shot. I know it's kind of a a weird way to simplify the game, but, you know, what to an extent, isn't there something to be proud of if you're Rockets fans, if you're watching James Harden? I mean, I think this was probably his best postseason, uh, even if maybe only slightly more so than previous years. It but was, Sam, but like, there were there were some timely, timely errors from him. Like the, we we talked about him taking one shot in, in Game Five uh, after Kevin Durant went down, and some of that might have been a little bit unfair. But even in this last game, even though the overall numbers were great, there were some really costly turnovers, and I, I think that Harden. Overall, I agree that he was great. This was his best postseason. I don't think you can put the blame on him. But if you're talking about whether or not you're going to be optimistic moving forward, when you have that much money tied up into Chris Paul and Clint Capella right now, I just do not see the route towards relevance and and contending. Even if Kevin Durant leaves, I just think that the durability of this team concerns me and their their avenues to actually improve the product. I, I just... I just really don't I don't see it. I, I think that they're in a lot of trouble moving forward, even though they have a transcendent talent, James Harden. Yeah, you know, Sam, I I you're right. Like he's this has been his best playoffs and and you know, all to that. But when you kind of the way I look at it is it's like at what cost? You know, I feel like if you get the other guys involved a little bit more, you know, there 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 might be better chances. You know, I, I, I feel like sometimes going all out to 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 get his step back threes or, or his isolation stuff like that hurts them not just offensively but it also hurts them defensively you know there there are a lot of possessions where you know when he goes and drives to the rim or even throws the lob to capella if they don't get that they already have two guys down at the corners they have you know capella and and harden basically at the rim i mean if the defense gets the rebound and gets the ball up to the free th- at the free throw line you know, you already have four guys behind the ball. And I think there's there's a kind of a cost behind all that stuff that I don't think really kind of goes with it. Um, so, I mean, it's great individual numbers, but for me, at the end of the day, I look at it and I'm just like, there's, there's, there's a way to maximize everybody on the court 
And and maybe it's if you do a little bit of less of that, you can you can get that and get the result and get the win. Um, I'm worried, Justin, with you. I think they're 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 in a lot of trouble. We saw the decline of CP, and uh, um, you know they they ain't got a time machine. <laughs> the time machine would be very very helpful there. So I, I think we're all in agreement that uh, Golden State's going to win next round. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, all right, cool. but that, but it's that, worth. That fair enough. I mean, it's maybe worth mentioning. Yeah. I mean. Theoretically, would the presence of Nurkic change this at all? Would it even make it close? Uh, not, uh, not really. It'd, no. make it, it'd make it interesting. I don't know if it would make it close. I, we saw how, and this is something maybe that, that Portland needs to bang on even in, even without Nurkic, but we saw how Golden State struggled rebounding. Yeah, And that's something that, especially with Cantor on the floor, you know, they can do that. And And I think, again, you know, uh, if they had Nurkic, it's another big that can can help with that. So I, I I think there's something to it, Sam. I think it gets it gets more interesting, but I don't think they'd uh, have much of a shot. Yeah, I think he would need to play. I think KD would need to miss the series. And the other thing is, if you told me Nurkic played all playoffs, I think that might have had more impact because I think you're dealing with a less tired Damian Lillard, and I think that there there's less fatigue on the Blazers. I just I, I think they're they're in a really, really tough spot here. Um, before we wrap things up, though, I, I think we should touch on my beloved Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> the, the hiring of Frank Vogel, the uh, the snake waiting behind the scenes in uh, Jason Kidd, Phil Jackson in, in the picture a little bit, the, the Rambi having influence. I, I mean... This this has all been this this was the greatest nineteen win season ever for me as a Gavs fan just because of <laughs> how ridiculous the Lakers situation has been. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Thoughts on the Frank Vogel hire? I'm right there with you, man. As you know, there was that viral uh, meme of that Suns fan who went over to that Lakers protest the other day with a bag of peanuts and was just <laughs> just standing outside watching. That's that's basically our entire fan base right now. Um, it's just nice, I guess, that the Lakers were denied uh, their their top couple of choices. Uh, I'm not even a huge Monty Williams guy, by the way. I I do like him, but uh, you know, to be to be able to pull something out away from the Lakers is nice. And I think it's not even so much uh, about Frank Vogel, but I think as soon as Jason Kidd's name in particular entered the conversation, there was a bit more of this uh, this clown imagery associated uh, going on. I think Jason Kidd's it- reputation has really tanked the past couple of years. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think it ever should have been good, and I think him his presence is going to hurt anything Vogel is going to do. I think it's going to hurt the credibility because that guy cannot help but be a, a chaotic influence in in the background. It's a disaster, guys. <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'm basically in ground zero. <laughs> It is absolutely insane. If the Sixers only, are actually dumb enough to to fire Brett Brown, how dumb do the Lakers look for at least not waiting for the opportunity to see if that happens? Like there, there was no rush, especially after you botched it with Tyron Lue. Like just right. wait it out, wait out, see what happens. And 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 the funny thing that you bring that up too is because Brett Brown's a Popovich disciple, and 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 LeBron supposedly loves Pop. Like at least you get that a little bit. I mean, starting with just the Tyron Lue thing. Like, how do you blow that? You know, you, 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 you literally think you're sitting there thinking you have all the leverage, but you're not even reading the floor properly. Like, let's just run through it with Tyron Lue. He's getting paid at least what? Two more years. I think from the Cavs, yeah, two, two more years, two more years from the Cavs. So 
your money doesn't matter that much. You know, basically you're just offsetting it. So he's going to make whatever that is. You're, you're you're on top of that. He's a former player who has done pretty well for himself. Like he's a very smart guy. It's not like he's never really wasted a ton of money or anything like that. I worked with him with the Clippers. So I, I kind of have a little bit of that understanding. Right. So you misread all that thinking like, man, he's going to take this deal. Like he's got nowhere else to go. What's he going to do? And it's like, yo, Ty doesn't need these problems. <laughs> you know, he's he's meeting with you guys and you're trying to offer him a three-year deal. Forget the fact that he's an NBA champion. He's coached LeBron before. By the way, they happen to win the title together. You know, he, he has an understanding of LeBron and, and everybody's like, this is a home run hire for you. So you choose to lowball him. Like you choose to just do that. And oh, and on top of that, we'd like you to hire Jason Kidd. I mean, get the <laughs> hell out of here. That's just stupid. Makes no sense whatsoever. And so, I mean, like you're going to dictate his staff to him. He won a championship. He doesn't need you to dictate his staff to him. And let's also <laughs> not forget, he went through that exact situation. He interviewed for the Cleveland head job, didn't get it, became the lead assistant. And then a year and a half later, they fired the head coach and brought him on. He knows that's a possibility. Why is he going to bring Jason Kidd on his staff? It's just stupid. Um, and, and, and then, you know, listen, Vogel, I like him. He's a good coach. He's screwed. Yeah. He's got no, he's got no shot. I I think he's a very good coach. I just don't know if he's going to have an opportunity because Jason Kidd's going to undermine him in every chance he gets, every opportunity. And then this all leads to the management. I mean, let's be honest. Like the Rambi running this thing, Linda Rambis, who's the uh, director of special projects, which I'm still not sure what that means. Uh, <laughs> you know, and 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 her hus- husband Kurt Rambis, Rob Polinka, who who completely botched all of this um like uh sam said they stole monty williams away so they're feeling happy and good but that was really kind of i think who they wanted um they were worried of the optics with uh uh bringing tyron lewin they didn't want to make kid the head coach because they were worried about the domestic <laughs> abuse thing i go like you guys oh so we're gonna make him an that, assistant? that was one of the most wild quotes i've ever seen in my entire life it's what 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 <laughs> Like you're how, worried about the difference. He's an assistant. You either want that in your organization or you don't. Yeah, I, like I just don't understand it. And then so you know, so I, I, I on top of all that, Jeannie Buss is then turning to the only people she turns to are the Rambi Palenka because he was Kobe's agent. Kobe told her to hire him. And then on top of and then she turns to Phil Jackson. Like I don't know, just get somebody outside your bubble. You know, everybody is screaming at you. Get somebody outside your bubble. And 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 she just refuses to do it. And this thing's just going to turn into another disaster. They're going to waste away another LeBron year. Listen, I'm in L.A. I need them to make the playoffs. It's good for me professionally. So it's like they're just going to screw it up again. I just I'm I, I'm just flabbergasted by the whole thing. Bless. Sorry, guys. I went on a rant. Sorry. Bless. Bless. Lakers. No, you you close this out perfectly. I think that I think that is a very, very good way to wrap up this episode. And uh, director of special operations, this is a special operation. This is what it is. I'm surprised she's not involved with Blue Wire Buckets because that's what we got going on. (laughs) Sam, Mo, I appreciate it so much. Thank you guys for coming on. This was an awesome recap of an awesome day and an awesome round for the NBA. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, hopefully Portland can can make next round exciting because I I think we have a good series in Milwaukee, Toronto, and to get two more good series would, would really be pretty fantastic. So, 
Hopefully that goes well, and we will continue covering all of the playoff drama as it unfolds with Blue Wire Buckets. So make sure that you guys are leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, cook those books, take advantage of the flawed metrics of Apple, and go out there and get those buckets.